acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in Wednesday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we roll into the chaos that is the modern America universe. Uh, Hunter Biden hopped on a plane to go visit Ireland with his dad. An absolute insult to anyone out there who wonders why the FBI hasn't prosecuted him in three and a half years. Elon Musk goes off on the BBC, and we're going to play a cut for you on that uh, momentarily. The first Republican debate is going to be on Fox News and Rumble in Milwaukee in August. Trump sat down with Tucker, and NPR has abandoned Twitter because they find that their feelings were hurt over being branded as state-affiliated media. But, Buck, you and I spend a lot of time talking about how fundamentally dishonest much of the media is in their coverage. And I'm not talking primarily when I say that about people who share their opinions, right? I'm talking about how the narrative gets set, how it all gets baked, how many people out there come to believe what they believe, even when there is not a substantial basis of support for it. Um, And I woke up this morning and I saw you looking at it, watching it, and it certainly has gone viral in general, Elon Musk sat down for an interview with the BBC. Uh, And there are a bunch of different angles on this story, uh, but I wanted to hit this one in particular. Uh, The BBC reporter said that Twitter was, quote, full of hateful content. We're going to play this audio for you in a moment. But maybe more significant, Buck, is that Elon Musk has now cut the Twitter employees from 8,000 Twitter employees, which is how many there were when he purchased the company, to 1,500. He has cut roughly 80% of all of Twitter employees. And what's fascinating is he says that on a cash flow basis, Twitter was on the way to losing $3 billion that is being wildly unprofitable And based on firing 80% roughly of all the Twitter staff, he now is set to have Twitter as a break-even company. And importantly, 
company seems to be working basically the same that it was before, which suggests there's an awful lot of fat. And, Buck, when I see something like that, I wonder, what percentage of our government employees, since tax day is coming up very close, what percentage of government employees do you think could be fired and no change whatsoever occur in the overall functioning of the United States government? In a lot of federal agencies, I think you could, in one fell swoop, get rid of 50% of the employees in one day without even yeah. without even really thinking about restructuring in any specific way. Just say, okay, these departments are at X, we're going to cut them down to Y, and you, I don't think you would notice a difference in, in a lot of them. And there are, and there are also obviously whole agencies fair. I think you could get rid of where, yeah, I mean, of course, there's going to be a little bit of a disruption in the system, but I think it would be fine, so... When I saw I mean, I that 80% in a for-profit corporation, Buck, when I started as a young lawyer, I was kind of blown away by how inefficient big corporate um, big corporate entities could be because technically they're trying to be for-profit, and they were inefficient, and it was eye-opening for me because I thought to myself, my goodness, if they're inefficient and they're for-profit, the government has to be orders of magnitude worse. I, I also think, not to get too deep into the financial prospects of twitter pre-elon but think about this i mean the guy understands a balance sheet and how to grow a company if he had to do this just to avoid putting it on a path to bankruptcy the previous management that was doing all of the coordination with the fbi suppressing stuff uh, that was damaging to biden the hunter biden laptop all the things that we saw the previous twitter ownership must have just been on a descent, you know, uh, course into the side of the mountain. And you say to yourself, well, what was the, what was the plan there? It must have been that some left wing billionaire was going to come along and either infuse them with cash, you know, or they were going to come along with maybe some private equity money or something and just keep propping this up. But they weren't propping it up because it's a great business. Those individuals would have been propping it up because. It serves the political and cultural interests of left-wing narrative control. That that has to be what was going on, or it was just going to go bankrupt. Fifty-four twenty was the purchase price that Elon Musk bought it for, and I was a Twitter shareholder. I had been for a long time. I think Twitter stock would be seventeen or eighteen dollars a share in this current economic environment if Elon Musk hadn't bought it for fifty-four twenty. But Elon Musk sat down for an interview with the BBC. And I just want you to listen to this entire exchange. And I think this is important, Buck, because Trump taught many Republicans how to fight. And I still think there are far too few Republicans who are willing to fight as it pertains to the dishonesty of the media. But I just want you to listen to this this exchange and think to yourself, why can't more people do this listen hang on a second you said you've seen more hateful content but you can't name a single example not even one i'm not sure i've used that feed for the last three or four weeks and i well, then how did you see the hateful content content because i've been i've been using i've been using twitter since you've taken over for the last six months okay so then you must have at some point seen that you for you hateful content i'm asking for one example right and, and you I, can't give a single I, one and, and, and i'm saying I, I then i i say so that you don't know what you're talking about really Yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful content, not even one tweet, and yet you claimed that the hateful content was high. Well, that's a false. No, what I claimed... You just lied. What, no, no, what I claimed was uh, there are many uh, organizations that say that that kind of information is on the rise. Now, whether whether it has on my feed or not... Give me one example. Not, 
Get, so what what Elon has done here, and by the way, this is this is really a, a course in how journalism is supposed to go. You can't just allow someone to evade if they make a statement. You have to have them either back it up or they can admit that they said something in error or you know they they misspoke or they're using talking points and they shouldn't do that, which is what happened here. But I think this is not only a window into how journalists in general, and I, I hate all these people who are always saying, oh, but what about what about Fox News and what about talk radio? And it's like, what, 5% of the global journalism landscape? Maybe, maybe. I mean, that's you know, that's putting it uh, generously, I think. And if the journo establishment had their way, they would shut all that down, too. We'd go back to the fairness doctrine and Fox News wouldn't be allowed to exist and, and all the rest of it, right? But, Clay, beyond that, what you see with the hateful, hateful speeches on the rise on the on the platform um, is is reminiscent of the lie that they were caught in when they shut down Parler, but not Facebook, when there was far more right before yes. the election. And there was far more egregious stuff being posted on Facebook than was being posted on Parler. And they said, well, it's because Parler wasn't doing enough moderation. That was why Amazon Web Services kicked it off to the left. The real yes, he's just using the talking points, and this guy obviously is is a sheep and doesn't know anything. And Elon, Elon uh, fleeced the sheep, if you will, in front of all of us. Um, but hateful to the left just means stuff I don't like. Yes, that's what it actually means. They use that term because it weaponizes their like and dislike of something, but they don't actually mean hateful in the sense that anybody else would understand it. I also think this is a master class on how to handle a journalist. And let me just be clear. Most journalists are not particularly smart, and they don't work that hard. They are cogs in the machine. They are willing to accept whatever the narrative is. And I want to give you an indication. And I'm not saying we're going to be perfect and in, in always avoiding constructs like this. But whenever you hear a journalist preface a question by saying something like, People say, or some people say, and once you start to pay attention to it, you will notice it all the time. People say, some people say. Well, people say everything. There, I, I could say to uh, to anyone, people say that the moon landing was faked. Yes, some people do say that. People say that we are living in a simulation and none of this is real. Yes, people do say that. But when you allow people say or some people say, to preface, preface a question that allows you to further your narrative, right? That is dishonest journalism. Now, this guy got called out on it, and what you'll see is very often these kind of questions, people say, some people say, there is no underlying foundational basis because the journalist is lazy, often not very smart, and not particularly talented. What Elon Musk did there is demonstrate the narrative is, oh, there's tons of hateful content. And in fact, before that part was cut off, he said, well, there's somewhat, you know, there's slightly sexist commentary. And I believe I'm paraphrasing there. I think it was slightly sexist was the phrase. And Elon Musk said, wait a minute, what do you mean by slightly sexist? And why should it be banned? And who is the determination of what is sexist or what is racist? This is perfect. Everybody needs to do this. And the other thing I would tell everybody out there in politics and in media, make sure that you do either live interviews or you record the entire thing. Do not allow the journalist to talk to you for an hour and take two minutes of what you said and put it in the context and narrative he or she prefers. 
You know, you'll often hear about um, lies of exaggeration, right? A lie of exaggeration. Like if you, and, and this will come up in the workplace, if you say, you know, well, um, I'm a, I'm a, you know, Mandarin Chinese uh, speaker, and that actually means that you can say five words. I mean, technically you could try to claim, but really that's a, that's a lie of exaggeration, right? There's also the lie of, there's a lie of scale. Um, and lie of scale is when, let's say, a person who is affiliated with the left does something awful, and then CNN goes on air, pulls... They've done this to me, by the way, where they'll just pull a random tweet from a random person. This is back in the pre-Trump era. And they'll say, did you see this horrible thing this person wrote on the Internet? And I look at them, and I wanted to say, what does that have to do with anything? Like, I, right. <laughs> like why? But they're trying to present what is finite random and unimportant and rare as massively common, important and powerful to make a point about about narrative. They do this with hate speech all the time. They do this with what they call racism, what they claim to be racism or racist all the time. And think about the effect of this, like after, um, you know, e- e- look, even after the, the Nashville uh, shooting by the trans terrorists, still no manifesto, by the way, I'm not letting Correct. this go. Still no manifesto. How many weeks are going to pass? 16 um, days. And after that, what do the, what does the left immediately fall on? Oh, oh, there's such a rise in, in hate speech against the trans community online. And, and we're all supposed to say, oh, well, hold on. I guess we can't speak the truth about what happened here. Is there a rise in hate speech? Who's doing the hate speech? What are you, what are you basing this against? Clay, they used to do this the same thing when there were jihadist ISIS uh, terror attacks. The response you would get from libs always after some guy was like, I'm doing this for ISIS and Allah and Allahu Akbar and try to run people over in a car, blow them up, was, oh, there's a rise in anti-Islamic hate speech online. Why? Because two or three morons don't know the difference between what one person does versus what, you know, everybody is doing. It's it's they do this all the time, though. This is how the media op. You've got. Oh, yeah. Media matters, which is probably the dumbest organization on the planet. But you're mentioning this and reminds me on Friday uh, the headline, Fox Corpse Clay Travis amplified his anti-trans rhetoric after the Covenant shooting. I'm reading their headline. Subheadline. Clay Travis focused discussion on the shooter's gender to stoke a caustic culture war. And then here's the opening paragraph, Buck. Founder of Fox Corpse Outkick Media, Clay Travis is a right-wing conspiracy theorist and Fox News contributor known for using outrage over his stunts and conspiracy theories. They got conspiracy theories twice in the same opening sentence to generate an audience for his platform. Travis has a history of making sexist and now anti-trans comments. This is the kind of world that we live in. It's a fundamentally dishonest media, and I love when I see smart people like Elon Musk calling it out. Look, insurance meant to protect and assist you in a time of need. Health, car, home, life insurance, all got a purpose. There's also something we call food insurance. That's having a solid supply of emergency food on hand. If and when there's a disruption of service in your area or a natural disaster of some sort, you're going to appreciate having emergency food in your house. That's why we have five of these My Patriot Supply kits right now in the Travis household. One for me, one for my wife, one for all three of our kids. Three months emergency food kit. You can get your own by going to go uh, go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Special price before it ends. Three-month emergency food kit. Over 2,000 calories in each day uh, for optimal strength and energy in this stressful situation. 
if you need to use it. These kits will last for years. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, drink, snacks. You'll be glad to have it. Do it today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Save $200 on each kit your family needs. Insurance for your family's food in the house. These kits, my wife was ecstatic to have it. I am too. MyPatriotSupply.com. Free shipping. MyPatriotSupply.com. One more time. MyPatriotSupply.com. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Voices of sanity in an insane world. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my from this idea of, what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. We are going to be talking in just a couple minutes here about the uh, lengthy sit-down that Tucker had with Trump uh, last night. Uh, it was aired on, on Fox. There's some in- very interesting moments. Clay's picked out some of his most noteworthy uh, responses. We're going to analyze that for you in just a second if you missed it and give you our take on it if you happen to see it. Um, but first, Biden is traveling right now. Uh, he is presenting himself, the commander-in-chief, president of the United States, chief executive, yada, yada, yada. He is in uh, northern... Anytime Biden is astride the world stage, I just worry that he's going to wobble and fall down. Here he is in Northern Ireland, though, and never misses an opportunity to take a shot at the country that he represents. Play 21. All the immense progress we see around us was built through conversation and compromise. 
discussion and debate, voting and inclusion. It's an incredible attestation to the power of democracy to deliver needs for all the people. And now I know better than most how hard democracy can be at times. We in the United States have firsthand experience how fragile even longstanding democratic institutions can be. You saw what happened on January the 6th in my country. We learn anew with every generation that democracy needs champions. Yeah, Clay. Compare, you know, he's in a place where they had decades of terrorist attacks and, uh, you know, paramilitaries uh, going up against the terrorists and the whole thing, you know, car bombings and everything else. But, you know, January 6th was like really a threat to democracy. He's still saying it, still telling the world this stuff. Not only that, he's in Ireland where everybody fled who could because they didn't have enough food to come to the United States where they've mostly thrived. So I'm just going to point out things were so bad in Ireland and these people were so brave, let's be honest, that they risked their lives to get on a ship to go to a place they'd never been before. That's why I'm here. It's probably why you're here, too, right? I mean, I'm, I'm Irish potato famine stock. Uh, I, I need to get my 23 and Me updated because um, my my sister got hers back and it she got 1% Arab. And I'm like, oh. Can you imagine, Buck, if I could begin every sentence by saying, as a Middle Eastern man, I believe, <laughs> I don't know how she's 1% Arab, so I need to get mine done. It appeared we were mostly, uh, mostly, you know, Scotch, Irish, British, whatever else. But as a Middle Eastern man, my, I mean, my, I might get hired by MSNBC if suddenly I'm 1%. That's more than Elizabeth Warren is a Native American. And as a Middle Eastern man, my opinions would rec- uh, ricochet much more through the uh, firm. This is also the, why we uh, always say Party. race is far more complex than gender. Yes. It just is by the numbers, by the science. But not allowed to say that. Not allowed to talk about it. So I get to get a good new one because, I mean, imagine if I were both Middle Eastern and partly African. I mean, this would be amazing. I'd be basically like... The greatest human being who's ever lived, according to MSNBC. My Pillow made it affordable as ever to own a pair of their very popular My Slippers products. Not just affordable, massively so. Their My Slippers may go down in history as the second most popular product they've ever made after the pillow. Usually they cost right at $150, but right now they're marked down to just $25 a pair. You're limited to just 10 pairs of purchase at a time. My wife has already hopped in and done it. She loves these things. She wears them to sleep. Website again, mypillow.com. Click on the radio listener square. You can enter the promo code Clay and Buck. Again, $25 my slippers. That's over 80% off. All you have to do is go to mypillow.com. Use the code Clay and Buck. That's mypillow.com. Clay, Clay and Buck. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Uh, Donald Trump has been doing sit-down interviews with Fox News hosts. Uh, we talked about the Sean Hannity interview with Donald Trump. I know many of you will be listening to Sean Hannity when this show ends all over the country. He does a fantastic job on that show as well as uh, his primetime Fox News show. Tucker went down to Mar-a-Lago, Tucker Carlson, and had his own interview that aired uh, last evening with Donald Trump. And there were several different cuts that I thought were interesting, but I wanted to focus first on something that I don't think we talk about enough, and and that's Joe Biden's health. Um, and and certainly, I, I want to play the audio again uh, of Joe Biden at the Easter egg roll with Al Roker in a moment, for those of you who might not have heard it. 
Uh, but, Buck, when I watched, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Succession, and I don't know what percentage of our audience watches Succession, but the the main character, Logan Roy, who is supposedly modeled on a Rupert Murdoch-like character, has had a series of untimely health issues, and then he suddenly has... He dies, right? Sorry, if you haven't caught up, it's been out for several days on the uh, on the plane in the mid-flight. And I know it's it's sort of difficult to talk about, but when you have an 80-year-old president, the oldest president ever that is attempting to run at 82 to be president until he's 86, I don't think it's uh, unfair. I think it would be unwise not to, to discuss his health, and what might happen at any moment during his presidency, which would elevate right now Kamala Harris, who I think most of you would say might be the worst vice president in any of our lives to a position that she is thoroughly unprepared to handle. So this is Al Roker. I want to play first what started this conversation between Trump and Tucker Carlson. Here is Al Roker having a conversation at the White House Easter event with Joe Biden and he can barely handle it. This was yesterday morning on the Today Show. Are you saying that, uh, that you would be uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024? Well, I'll either be rolling an egg or you know, being the, the, you know, the guy who's pushing them out. Come on, help a, bro- help a brother out. Make no, some news no, for no, me. No, no, well, I, I plan on running now, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. Okay, he can barely handle Al Roker. That was actually Monday, Buck. And Tucker Carlson, I think reasonably, asked Donald Trump about the cognitive health of Joe Biden in the wake of that. Listen to this answer. But there's something wrong. I saw his answer today on television about whether or not he was going to run to a very nice guy named Al Roker. When you can't get a softer question than that, that was a long answer. Talking about the eggs and the this and that. Look, I don't think he can. So here's the issue. I don't think they care. I don't think the Democrats care at all. And now you get into the, okay, fine. We can, let's, let's say I'm right about that. And, and I feel pretty strongly that because they did it the first time. I feel, I feel like, uh, you know, Charlie Brown, Lucy with the football. I was like, there's no way they're going to really vote for Joe Biden. This guy is, first of all, he's never been smart. He's never been impressive. Even on his best days, he's the slimiest politician. Actually, Gavin Newsom pretty close. We're to gonna... be fair, Buck, the first campaign, the implicit understated promise was that he would not run for re-election. I-, I think there are millions of people who voted for Joe Biden in 2020 because they never really said it, but they kind of hinted because they were like, oh, he's a bridge to the future. I think they expected Kamala to be far more competent, and they thought that they could hand off the baton to her at some point, and she's been so bad that that isn't an option now. Very, yeah. I I think that's probably uh, probably accurate, and uh, I think now they're in a situation where, as we've discussed so many times, they realize all that they have to do is pose as not Trump and try to convince the moderates and the independents out there that there'll be some semblance of normalcy, um, and, and in a sense, that allows Democrats to really hold the country hostage, right? Because and they did this in 2020, which I always bring up because I think people forget there were all the stores boarded up and everything because the implicit promise was if Trump gets reelected, there's going to be the, more rioting in the country than we've ever seen. 
You know, that's the Democrat Party saying, nice country you got there, America. Be a shame if something happened to it, unless you vote for our guy. And I think that there will be a similar, uh, a similar broad narrative of if Trump were to win, the country is just good. Democrats will make life so miserable and crazy for people because they'll freak out so much that a lot of independents, I know for the Trump voters out there, they're like, who cares? Trump was going to drain the swamp and do great things, right? But for some of the independents, they may just have fatigue over the issue. So we get to this place where the candidate doesn't really matter. But then again, there was some talk about Gavin Newsom last night, too. Yeah, we've got that. Let's play that as well. So uh, we should mention that I believe I'm correct on this, Buck. Correct me if I'm wrong. Gavin Newsom's ex-wife is now the girlfriend of Donald Trump Jr.? Yes. That's correct, I believe, right? I believe that is correct, yes. Factually, our staff yes. can correct us if we're wrong. No, you're so right. There is, yeah. there is sort of this kind of wacky cross-pollination a little bit between the Trump and the Newsom universe. But Trump points out that while Gavin Newsom is running around talking about how awful Democrat uh, Republicans are now, he was actually quite complimentary of Trump when he was in the office. And here is cut six when Trump says, hey, Gavin Newsom said I handled the pandemic well. I used to get along great with him, you know, when I was president. I had along, you know, got along really good, Gavin. Well, you got along with Gavin Newsom? I did. I really did. He was always very nice to me. He said the greatest things. He would say things like he's doing a great job. Oh, he was very About nice. you? About me. That's why I could never hit him, because he was so nice to me. Okay, let's flash back and play that audio of Gavin Newsom. Also worth noting... Trump said that he believes Gavin Newsom is doing a really bad job in California. So it's not like Trump was praising Gavin Newsom, but Gavin Newsom did. And we've got cuts here. We got the evidence from back in March of 2020. Here is Gavin Newsom praising President Trump on how he was responding to COVID. He said, we're going to do the right thing. And you have my support, uh, all of our support, uh, logistically and otherwise. He said everything uh, that I could have hoped for. Uh, and we had a very long conversation, uh, and every single thing he said, they followed through on. Every single thing, his administration, and it starts at the top, including the vice president. Can I tell you something, though? Because I was watching the daily press conferences by Cuomo, where he was yes. talking about all the all the things. And the ventilators, we need more ventilators, right? We had Cuomo doing it. He also started out saying very nice things about Trump. Everybody was saying nice things about Trump in March of 2020 because they wanted to seem like they had a united front against the pandemic and they wanted as much federal assistance as possible. What matters is what do they start saying in April, in May, in June? I mean, they basically went back to saying that Trump was Hitler, not just in general, but on COVID. He was the Hitler of COVID. I mean, they went completely insane against Trump. So, yeah, it is true that Newsom said some nice things, but that would be like saying Andrew Cuomo said the greatest things about Trump one time in one per- for one purpose and then completely went back on him and stabbed him in the back. It's just kind of amazing that, I don't know, I, I did he, he doesn't remember that, I guess. I don't know what to say. Trump is right, by the way, on the fact that Joe Biden is not up to the job. Yeah, and I think course. you're right, clearly, on the fact that Democrats don't care, and John Fetterman is the perfect example of that. But I do wonder... There have to be millions of people out there that simply see Joe Biden. And the more he's in public, the more gaffes there are, everything else. I don't know that they can avoid getting him on the road 
on a regular basis like they did in 2020 when they hit him in the basement. They could use COVID as an excuse then. What's the excuse now for Biden basically running and hiding? There is not no an excuse. easy one, right? There is no there is no excuse. I mean, I, I also think that the the prospect of a Trump Biden debate would be just must see TV on every level. I mean, obviously you're talking about a presidential debate, but um, I think Trump really. I mean, look, he's always been a puncher, right? Trump is a fighter and has been before he was in politics, right? He's a guy who he'll get into a scrap and he doesn't he doesn't hold back. I think he really dislikes Biden now. I think it's more than it even was in the past. I think he takes it very personally. So this would be, uh, it would be quite a, a Donnie Brooks, sir. I think, Lynn, we should talk about this maybe later in the show. They officially announced Fox News and Rumble are going to host in August the first debate in Milwaukee between the Republicans. I think that thing on Fox News in, in August and what, what's that like five months from now? That thing's going to be wild. Ronna McDaniel has already said, that the RNC will put forward a loyalty pledge to support the eventual nominee. Everybody on that stage going to sign it? Anybody want to? <laughs> well, and how, how, again, I come back to the same thing. How is it enforceable? It's, well, one it's thing not, to sign but it's just a pledge. question of somebody's, you know, does someone give their word to the, to their own right. voters, to their own base, and then break that word? Or their own but there's reason. easy to, it, I mean, I just would say there's lots of things that could happen where you could say, well, when I agreed to that in August, I thought X and then Y happened, and I can no longer be bound by that. Look at the lawyer already lawyering. I'm just, here. I he's, mean, he's, he's, is, looking at, I, he's looking at I, clause seven, subparagraph three just, here. I, my willingness to trust politicians is at an all time low. So a politician saying they're going to do something and then changing their mind and like coming up with an excuse is is basically what every politician does all day long, every day. Eight hundred two eight two two eight eight two. What do you think of the of the Tucker Trump interview last night? How do you think Trump did? Curious to hear from some of you uh, on that. A lot of for lot of foreign policy talk. It was really a foreign policy interview for the most part. You know, some organizations go the distance to do the right thing without any fanfare or celebration. One such organization is the Preborn Network of Clinics. Hundreds of staff members nationwide work to help protect the lives of unborn children. In the past seventeen years' time, over two hundred thousand precious babies have already been saved through the life-giving work of preborn, and every day, preborn rescues 200 babies. They welcome pregnant mothers making a difficult decision between abortion and bringing their unborn children into this world. They do that by offering unconditional support and free ultrasounds. Most of the time, that introduction between mother and child makes all the difference. This is an entity that receives no government funding. Their funding comes from individuals like you and me. Each ultrasound is just $28, which is like the cost of you know ordering in food. Your donation of any size, whether big or small, can and will make an impact forever in the lives of the babies saved. To donate, use your cell phone and dial pound 250. Say the keyword baby. That's from your cell phone now. Dial pound 250. Say baby or go to their website, preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K sponsored by preborn. Get to know the guys outside the issues. Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck, a new podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, 
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, friends. We're going to be talking here in a few minutes about uh, the lawsuit that uh, Bragg, Alvin Bragg, has filed against Jim Jordan in federal court in New York, saying that Jim Jordan, as a member of Congress with oversight and subpoena power, is not allowed to subpoena somebody who was involved in the previous iteration of the Trump uh, hush money payment non-crime investigation. And so Bragg is suing a member of Congress saying that you're not allowed to do your thing in Congress because that's interfering with my thing as the district attorney of New York City. So we'll get into some of those uh, specifics coming up in a few minutes. And then also something else that I think is under the radar a bit, which is that the Biden administration has begun sharing with uh, a group of lawmakers the classified documents that Trump has. Did you see this, Clay? We, we gotta, we, we're gonna analyze this in a few minutes. But, how long is that gonna take to get leaked? Oh, depends on how, you know, if they can even spin the stuff as being very sensitive they will spin here's how to play buck you know this they will find whatever the most damning uh of the trump classified documents is you know there'll be two or three of them and there will be i predict what is today wednesday i predict by certainly sunday 
the New York Times will have a front page expose on how uh, unbelievable the Trump documents were. And they will bury on page A72 (laughs) the revelations of the Biden classified documents. And they will say these were long since not significant. The fact that this is even being equated, like that's that's where we're headed. You have to remember that the the Democrats have increasingly drifted into, and I, I really mean this, and I know it might sound like it might sound like exaggeration or something. To say they have a totalitarian mindset. They don't have necessarily the same goals, at least not yet, as other totalitarian societies: Soviets, North Korea, China, Chinese Communist Party. They don't have the same goals yet. But their mindset, as in anything for the revolution or for their their control as the Revolutionary Party, in a sense, is justified. So lies aren't lies because lies are helping Democrats. That actually, this is the beginning of all the all the bad things that happen in a totalitarian society. And this is how Democrats feel about it. It's why they have no principles at all. It's why they have people going on TV pretending like this indictment of Donald Trump is not truly ludicrous i mean actually looney tunes level crazy absurd but we know why they're doing it they know why they're doing it and so this is where we we end up um you know falling on on any of this stuff so i think it's all right so we're ended up talking about a little earlier than i than i had anticipated i'll just say the biden administration sharing those classified docs we'll come back to the brag thing in a few minutes um but this is because they're going to set the narrative that Trump's documents were worse, not charge him, though, for mishandling documents because of the Biden thing, but then they'll at least be the legal sword of Damocles hanging over the Trump campaign of the obstruction charge based on the documents, and they're going to say that Trump's documents were worse, which is crap, and that Trump was less cooperative than Biden, which is also crap. But that will be... They'll try to put those two things together. And are you buying into my my theory that the reason Biden hasn't officially announced yet is he's going to use that, much like he did Charlottesville, as justification for why he has to run again because the danger of Donald Trump remains imminent and he is the only one that can protect America from Yes, I th- so, yeah, because at first I thought I didn't see the legal, uh, the legal reason for doing this, like, oh, I'm not interfering, yeah. That's not it, but that he can use this then and say it also there's a momentum to these things, right? Once it's clear that Trump is further along in this and then the indictments are coming down to the possibility of them, Biden gets to say, I'm I'm running to prevent the felon Trump from uh, from taking over and destroying this country or whatever. So it's uh, it's going to get it's going to get caustic out there. Buck, he could even say this, which I bet he does. I know that I'm 82 years old and that a lot of you believe that I'm too old to do this job. But this is the last most important fight of my life, keeping Donald Trump out of office. Then he seems like he's actually being selfless, and that's the reason he's doing it. I'm telling you exactly the playbook. It's Charlton Heston and El Cid, which... Some of the history nerds in this audience appreciate it as a reference, sir. I will have you know. That's true. By the way, Allie tells me people are blowing us up because I gave uh, the the spoiler on succession. I said spoiler alert. Got to be paying attention. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 